in this moment where you're at. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for meeting us today as we worship you, as we praise you. Lord, we are so grateful that you are present with us wherever we go, wherever we find ourselves, you are there. We serve an amazing king, an amazing God who is with us through it all, through all the trials, through all the tribulations. He does not leave us alone. And we serve an amazing king. And Jesus, we're so thankful that we can call you. We could call you when we are alone. We can, we can see you. We can find you. Uh, God is with us. And we pray this in your heavenly name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to thank every single one of you for coming to the house of the Lord. This is um, very special to God. This is very special to Jesus that you come here to worship God in a family. It, it means a lot to him that you do this. Um, it is something significant that you are doing, coming here and just worshiping as a family. So we, I want to give you the praise, the, the, the honor, and the credit for that because it is marvelous that you come to the house of the Lord. Um, and it's amazing that we're able to come here and worship Jesus. Uh, Jesus is pretty awesome. I hope that that's something that you've been focusing on as we have been going through this series in the book of Luke. Last week we saw that Jesus, he, he was at the Lord's Supper, he was breaking the bread, giving the wine, and he was saying that this bread is my body, that this wine is my blood. And he's essentially saying that he has given it to you. He is awesome and amazing. And I hope that you have at least seen that you should follow him. Hopefully you have gained that desire to follow him. And hopefully you have decided to follow him. If you have made that decision, a great way to do to express that you have decided to follow Jesus is to be baptized. And as mentioned before, if you've already been baptized, if you've already made that decision, awesome. But if you have not, feel free to contact me and we'll have a baptismal tank. Uh, the church that we rent from, uh, they'll also have baptismal Sunday. So whenever they do, whenever they have it, we'll also have it available for anyone who wishes to be baptized. But today we're going to focus on one of the more famous followers. One of the most famous followers of Jesus was the Apostle Peter. If you know any of Jesus' followers, you probably know of Peter. Our text for today will focus on Peter. And I think that as we see him, as we see this apostle, we will be able to relate with him. This apostle, this follower of Jesus became an apostate. That is, he, he left the faith to a degree. Because the Christian faith relates to Jesus Christ, it's connected. The faith isn't so much about doctrine, although that is important, but it's about the person of Christ. If you have your Bibles, I hope you could open it up with me to Luke 22, 31 to 32, 34. Luke 22, 31 to, to 34. And it'll be on the screen too, so if you want to follow, if you want to follow along there, um, feel free to do so. Um, we are finishing 
the Gospel of Luke soon, and then we'll start a smaller series, like a month series after that. Um, but um, I always think that whenever we start a new series, it's a great time to invite people so they could, you know, follow along with us. Um, and also, Easter is coming, so that's also, people are more likely to come to church on Easter than most of other days. So if you feel like inviting anybody, if the Lord leads you that way, um, Easter is a great time to invite when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is quite marvelous. But anyways, Luke twenty-two thirty-one to 34, it says this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you turn back, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. And if you have your Bibles, go a few verses down to Luke twenty-two fifty-four to 62. And it says this. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high, high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly, this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. In this reading, we find this character whose name is Simon or also Peter. The person in our reading, who, who is this person named Peter. If you're a Christian, if you've been in church for any period of time, you probably have an idea of who Peter is. We have been reading the book of Luke, and we haven't really focused on Peter, but he does appear within the book of Luke. We just haven't spent time on him because it would take forever to look at every single verse within the book, which at times may be good, but it's not the style of this series. But I do want to look at who Peter was according to the book of Luke. 
we first find Peter in Luke 5, 1 through 11. One day, Jesus was by the lake of Gennesaret, and people were around him, listening him listening to him preach the word of God. They were around Jesus. And Jesus saw two boats nearby, and he began to teach from one of the boats. After he finished speaking, Jesus looked at one of the boat owners, Peter. Peter was a fisherman. And Jesus asked Peter, who was also Simon, he asked him to catch more fish. Peter, an experienced fisherman, said that he had already fished and there were no more fish. But, but he still listened. He said in Luke 5.5, 5, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Peter, Peter did so. And they caught a large number of fish. So much so that they needed to get other people to help them so that the boat wouldn't sink. Peter listened to Jesus and was blessed in his business. But he felt that he didn't deserve to be blessed by Jesus. According to Luke 5, 8, it states, When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Peter felt unworthy. He told the Lord to leave. He, did it, he, he felt that he didn't deserve the blessing that Jesus gave him. He felt like he didn't deserve it because he was a sinful man. Peter was sinful. And Jesus looked at him, looked at this sinful person and said in verse 10, do not be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. Jesus looked at sinful Simon and invited the sinner to follow him. And Peter and other fishermen who were with him, they, they decided to leave everything just to follow Jesus and help other people follow Jesus as well. In the next chapter of Luke, Luke 6, Peter is listed as part of Jesus' apostles. Jesus had 12 apostles who were his closest disciples. And Peter was one of them. In fact, Peter was probably the spokesperson of the apostles. There's a story in Luke 8, 40 to 56, where a woman touched the edge of Jesus' cloak for healing. So she touched the edge of Jesus' cloak, and, and what happened was that she was healed. Jesus asked the disciples, who had touched him? And guess which disciple answered? If you guessed, Peter, you are right. Peter answered Jesus and told him, well, there's a lot of people. But the point here is that Jesus was the spokesperson. That Peter was the spokesperson of the apostles. Then later in the same passage, Peter was part of some disciples who saw Jesus bring a child back to life. And then this one time, Jesus asked a serious question that I think we should all ask ourselves. 
In Luke 9, 18 to 20, Jesus asked, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Who do you say that Jesus is? We have read Luke. We know that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is God's anointed, God's Messiah. At least that's what, Pete, that's what Luke is telling us and even Peter. But I wonder, who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus for you? Is he the son of God? Is Jesus your savior? In Peter's case, he said the right thing. Peter answered that Jesus was God's Messiah. Peter saw Jesus as the one who brings salvation, who brings God's kingdom, who brings eternal life, who brings peace. Peter not only confessed this, but Peter lived as if Jesus was God's Messiah. In Luke 18, 28 to 30, Peter cried out that he had left everything for Jesus. Luke presents Peter in a positive picture. But then we get to the text that we read in the beginning of our time. We have Peter, the Apostle Peter. The Apostle who correctly confessed that Jesus is God's Messiah. We have the Apostle Peter. And we have Jesus saying something shocking for Peter. Remember, Peter and Luke was a fantastic disciple. But here we have Jesus saying that Satan would try to get everyone, including Peter. That he would try to tempt Peter. Our English word for Satan comes from the Greek word satanas, which sounds like the Spanish version. Um, the word Satan means adversary or enemy. It could be used to talk about any adversary or opponent, but here it seems to be specifically talking about this being also known as the devil, the same one who Jesus defeated in the desert. Satan was going to tempt Peter. Peter was going to face a satanic assault. Satan was going to lead this assault against Peter. On Satan, Cyril of Alexander, an early church leader, he, he said, he, he's quoting first Jesus. He, he says, Jesus says, Satan has many times desired to sift you as wheat, to tempt you, that is, to search and try you and expose you to intolerable blows. Satan and I find this interesting. Satan usually attacks people who are above average. Like, like some fierce and arrogant barbarian, Satan challenges to one-to-one -to -one combat those of high reputation and ways of piety. Satan preys on human nature because it is infirm and easy to overcome. He is harsh, pitiless, and unappeasable in heart. 
Satan was going to prey on Peter, who was above average. He was bold in his faith, Peter, and in his commitment to Christ. But Satan was harsh, and he still is, and he wants to deceive followers of Christ. He couldn't defeat Jesus in the desert, so now he's trying to stop the ministry of Jesus by focusing on his followers. I thought about the amazing Batman movie, movie uh, The Dark Knight Rises. I watched it this week. And uh, I was reminded of this scene where the Joker wanted to create chaos. He couldn't really turn Batman to a murderer. He, he couldn't, like, push him enough. So he went to the White Knight, Harvey Dent, and broke him so he could disrupt the peace or the justice that Batman was bringing. Similarly, Satan is trying to break Peter so that the ministry and work of Jesus could end. Jesus wanted Peter to keep his faith. And what's amazing is that Jesus actually prayed for Peter. Isn't that kind of cool? Sometimes we feel like we are alone, that there's a battle that we have, that we think that we have to do it by ourselves. But here Jesus is saying that he prays for those who follow him to keep their faith. He is cheering us on. He is praying for us. He cares about you and the battles that you face. And he wants you to keep your faith, to keep hope. Jesus saw that Peter would fall. He would, but he also saw that even if Peter returned to a life without Christ, Jesus knew that this would happen. But, but he saw that redemption, that coming back, that being restored, that it was still possible. He basically gave the suggestion that, look, when you fall, Peter, and you, you are going to fall, it's not a matter of if. When you fall, turn back. Even though Jesus knew that Peter would fall prey to Satan, Jesus believed that Peter would return. And not only that, but he believed that Peter would return and strengthen his brothers. That's kind of crazy. Here is Jesus telling Peter, the apostle Peter, that he is going to return to his former ways, a life without Jesus. But, but Jesus has so much grace that he is willing to tell Peter, to willing to tell him that you could come back. That he is willing to welcome him back. Kind of reminds me of the story of the prodigal son. But not only that, when Peter comes, when this fallen Peter, fallen but restored Peter, when he returns, not only will he be back to following Jesus, but he would be able to strengthen other disciples. Jesus had a different outlook than us. We might think that somebody might be out, that there is no hope. Maybe we look at Peter and we say, oh, he fell prey to Satan. There's no hope for him to return. 
But Jesus knows that people, he, he knows things that we don't know. He knows things about people who we may not see. He knows things about Peter. That He knows that restoration is possible. That it is possible and that they could even come back with the ability to strengthen God's people. Peter heard Jesus saying that he'd fall. Peter wasn't fond of it. I mean, I get it. He, he didn't recognize his weakness, his frailty. Instead, Peter said something that admittedly is admirable. But he failed to do what he said he would do. Peter brashly said to Jesus that if following Jesus meant going to prison, Peter's ready. If following Jesus meant dying, Peter was also ready. And these words are admirable. Words that I hope any of us could say. But Peter failed to assess himself in the words of Jesus. He should have asked for strength from Jesus. He was fervent in spirit, warm in his love towards Christ, but he was blind to his own weaknesses. Peter had failed to realize the seriousness of his own weaknesses. He was overconfident, and he said, I would never leave you. If someone ever tells you, I will never do that, it is very likely that that person would do that. And that's what happened with Peter. But Jesus continued to say, even though Peter said, I'll do this, I'll be with you, Jesus insisted that that day the rooster would crow, and before the rooster crows, Peter would have denied Jesus three times. According to Jesus, Peter, the apostle, the one who declared Jesus as God's Messiah. According to Jesus, this Peter would deny him. From being an apostle, Peter would become an apostate since he denied the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter did deny that day. Peter did deny that he knew Jesus three times before the rooster crowed, just like, Jesus would, just like Jesus had said. Jesus said that Peter would fall, but Peter will, would repent, regain his courage, and be a source of strength for others. And that's what happened. Jesus was apprehended. One of Jesus' disciples, Judas, betrayed him. Judas ratted Jesus out, and the Pharisees apprehended him. They wanted to kill him for what he was preaching and doing. Jesus was not accepted in his social world. He still is not accepted today. And this has always been the case since the very beginning. Just like in the beginning when he was born, there was no place for him to be born. He, he was born in a, man, a major um, there was no place for him 
in human society. There never was. And we saw him be apprehended. And the apostle Peter was following Jesus from a distance. They ended up following Jesus as Jesus was apprehended. They, they took him to the house of the high priest, the religious leader at that time, the Jewish religious leader. And the high priest happened to have a courtyard where Jesus would be tried by the religious leaders. At this courtyard, Jesus would be physically abused and tortured. There was a crowd there to witness the scene. And a lantern was lit. People could see each other. And Peter was among the crowds. He was not with Jesus. Peter was following Jesus, so that's good. You know, that's part of what Peter said, that I'll follow you up to the point of death. But Peter, he, he follows at a distance. Here's a picture of, from Caravaggio. And he depicts this scene that we are going to talk about a bit. This painting is called The Denial of Peter. He painted this back in 1605. And I believe it is believed that it's one of his last works. And we see Peter being confronted. Um, and I hope you could feel like the intensity within this picture. A certain slave saw Peter and said that Peter was with Jesus. Satan tempted Peter through a confrontation. Sometimes we think that these temptations are maybe supernatural in nature, but they could happen just through everyday talk, through a confrontation. Peter had the opportunity to express, to confess that he is a follower of Jesus. He could have said, yes, he knows Jesus. I mean, he said that he was willing to go to prison for Jesus, but it's ironic. Peter had the opportunity to confess Jesus as Lord in front of this servant. But instead, Peter denied it. The apostle Peter said, I do not know him. Peter refused to recognize Jesus. He denied that he was a disciple of Jesus. We are supposed to confess Christ or, and acknowledge him. That's what we're supposed to do. Confess and acknowledge him and deny ourselves. Peter does the reverse. He denies Christ for his own interests. Here was the apostle who previously said that he would go to prison with Jesus. He was ready to die with Jesus. But apparently, he wasn't. When a woman confronted him, he denied that he knew his master. Peter denied that he knew the one whom he had called Savior whom he had called God's Messiah. And after some time, another person came and member, or maybe remembered seeing, Je seeing Peter with Jesus. So, so the man confronted Peter. 
you, you, you come from, from him. And Peter again denied it. The scholar Joel Green, whom I've often quoted since I respect him and value what he has said on the book of Luke. I, I think that whenever we study the Bible, I think we should study it in community. What others have said and, and not just have an isolated time of study, but also see what others have said. Other believers. So Joel Green noted, rather than deny himself, talking about Peter, rather than lose his, his, his life for the sake of Jesus, Peter will seek to save his life by denying Jesus. And we see here that despite doing what he said he would do, Peter would deny Jesus. He, he said these great words that he would follow Jesus, but here Peter is denying Jesus. And before the hour passed and another person asserted, insisted, Peter, you, you were really with Jesus. You, you are a Galilean like Jesus. And, and and Peter now, you could tell that he is furious and he, he hissed and he's, man, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Joel Green wrote, it is ironic that Peter had boldly proclaimed that he was ready to go with Jesus to prison and death, then denies he was with Jesus at all. A man who was zealous for following Jesus was now vehemently denying Jesus. And while he was still speaking, while he was denying Jesus, things happened as Jesus had said. Peter had denied Jesus three times. And the rooster crowed. The rooster crowing emphasizes the prophetic nature of Jesus. Jesus can foretell the future and yet Peter is denying this man who could foretell the future. He is denying the one who foretold that, Jesus, that Peter, the loudest disciple, would fail. He's denying Jesus. And it happened exactly how Jesus had said. Jesus has power and foresight. He knows. Disciples, even the best of them. Even the ones with admirable motives and desires, disciples fail. Peter failed. And then, then something happened. And now I, I'm unsure, unsure how I would have responded, how we would respond if this happened to us. After denying Jesus, he, Jesus, the, the text tells us that Jesus turned around in the courtyard and he looked intently at Peter. I wonder what it would feel like to have Jesus' eyes intently looking at you after you denied him. I love what Leo the Great, the Bishop of Rome, and in 442, 461 said, Then the Lord looked at Peter. Christ stood in the middle of the priest's insults, 
the witnesses' lies and the injuries of those who struck him and spat on him. He met the troubled disciple, Peter, with his eyes. The same eyes that had foreseen that Peter would undergo his struggle. In so doing, the gaze of truth entered Peter. Directed toward the place where the amendment of his heart would be grounded. It was as if the Lord's voice through these eyes, through the sight, were echoing within Peter saying, What are you thinking, Peter? Why do you withdraw into yourself? Trust, turn to me. Trust in me and follow me. This is the time for my passion. The hour of your suffering has not yet come. Why do you fear that you yourself will also overcome? Do not let the weakness that I have accepted disturb you. I was anxious for you, but you should not worry about me. Peter was worried about his own life. Therefore, he denied Jesus. Jesus just looked at Peter with a voiceless stare, a stare that pierced Peter's heart like a sword and caused Peter, a brave man, to open a fountain of tears. Peter remembered. He remembered everything that Jesus had said about the rooster crowing and about him denying Jesus. And it happened just like Jesus had said. The word of Jesus is divine. What he says happens. Peter remembered and left outside crying bitterly. Jesus had said that Peter would fall. Peter said, no, that won't happen. I'm willing to die for you. But when push comes to shove, Peter denied Jesus three times. Yet, Jesus still said that Peter would be restored and that he would strengthen God's community. Jesus, Jesus look, the look that Jesus gave to Peter, it triggered Peter's memory. And Peter had felt remorse for what he did. He felt so bad for what he had done that he couldn't contain his tears. And that's the first step towards repentance and restoration. There's a sense of remorse that needs to take place. That you did something wrong. Peter would eventually be restored. And I like what Ambrose said. Although Peter was ready in spirit, he said, I'm willing to die for you. He still was weak in physical love. Christ rebuked him before he denied the Lord. Not even Peter could equal the steadfastness of the divine purpose. The Lord's passion has imitators, but no equals. 
I do not criticize Peter's denial, but I praise his weeping. The one is common to nature, but the other is peculiar to virtue. We could talk about how bad Peter was denying Jesus, but look at what Peter did after he denied. He wept. He recognized that he did something horrible. As I close, being a disciple of Jesus is awesome. You are with God's Messiah who brings salvation, but it's a journey full of, full, full of ups and downs. And like Peter, we will have our downfalls. We may deny Jesus, maybe not with our mouth, but with our actions. We basically tell the world that we do not know Jesus when we live just like the world. Maybe we have been embarrassed when somebody asks us about Jesus. We say, yeah, I don't know him. But yet, we, we, we sing about loving him and say within our church services that we will follow him. Yet, we will still fall. It's a sad truth but it's part of being human. But Jesus doesn't want you to stay on the ground. Jesus looks at you and believes that it is possible for you to be restored. It is possible for you to be an admirable Christian, an admirable disciple of Christ, even after you denied Jesus. Jesus' grace is so great that you can be restored, just like Peter was restored. You can be restored, and you can also be a disciple even after you denied Christ. And not only that, you can be a disciple who strengthens God's community. Jesus' grace is amazing. And if you have denied Jesus recently, if you have sinned against him, run to him to be restored. And he will be merciful. And he will restore you. Jesus was merciful to Peter. And Peter became one of the leaders of the early Christian community. Earlier in the message, we read a quote from Joel Green. Green continued to say, rather than deny himself, that's what we read, Peter will seek to save his life by denying him. And then the last sentence, even this can be forgiven. Assuming that there is subsequent repentance. You can experience forgiveness. H.G. Wells said, a man may be a bad musician and yet be passionately in love with music. No matter what Peter did, however terrible his failure, he was nonetheless passionately devoted to Jesus. There is hope for the person who even when sinning is still haunted by goodness. 
If you are following Jesus and you fail, but you are wholeheartedly following Jesus and you're trying your best, there is hope for you. Peter got through it and you can too. And if this is the first time that you're hearing about Jesus' amazing grace, I encourage you to run to him and encounter his love and grace for you. His grace is so great that he knows you will fail him, yet he still offers forgiveness. You can be a disciple in Jesus' name. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together, and I pray that you may speak to the hearts of everyone here, everyone watching online, and those even here in Lodi, Lord, every soul that's here. I pray that you may speak to them and reveal your grace, Father, to them. That your grace is so large that it, it could cover, cover the sins of the masses. You can cover our mistakes, Father. I pray that those who have sinned maybe this week, that they, they, they may run to you and that they may just fall on your knees and repent of their sins and know that when they go to you, you offer mercy and that they could stand up and become great leaders within your community, Jesus. We pray this in your wonderful name. Amen.